You're listening to Run, R-U-N, Revive Us Now podcast with Steve Gray. As pastor of the Smithton Outpouring and the Kansas City Revival, Steve is a leading voice of revival worldwide. Steve shares his life-changing encounters with God, along with biblical teaching that equips you to experience and lead lasting revival. Come, run with Steve and expect God to revive us now. Hello and welcome to Revive Us Now. I am your host, Steve Gray, and I'm so glad you're with us to run for revival. We need revival. America needs revival. And America and the churches need to be revived and have the glory of God restored to us. And, and so God's right now looking for leaders. He's raising up leaders to be, uh, to be the leaders in the next great move of God. That could be you. I hope that's you. And uh, that's why we're here to talk about everything revival. And so today we're going to talk about the three ways that revival comes. And you know, revival is not a formula, but there are some things to know about it. And you could miss it if you think, well, it comes this way or that way or this way. So we're going to look at three ways. And I actually uh, can go ahead and mention that I, I got this teaching from my own book, When the Kingdom Comes, Lesson from the Smith and Outpouring. And I remembered that I'd written a chapter on this. I haven't talked about it for a while. And it's a great time to uh, share with you three ways revival comes. And it will come, and I want to make sure everybody understands that any place, anywhere, any church, any country, anything you can name uh, can have revival. A, an outbreak of God's glory, an outbreak of God's power. And, of course, revival is to revive bring back to life those that are half dead. Don't confuse it with a great awakening to where those that are, are, are dead in their sins and trespasses need to be saved. They need to be born again. They need to wake up to the things of God. But there's uh, millions of people that have already done that, but they get into religion and they fall for some of the tricks of the devil. And all of a sudden we realize we have drifted, we have lowered the standard, we've gotten worldly, we've cooled off, we've lost our fire, whatever it is. And now we're starting to see the symptoms of it in our lives. We see the symptoms in our country of a, of a people that have cooled off towards God. And we want to ignite the fire again. So we want to be revived. We want to experience the presence and the glory and the power of God again. So anyway, three ways that revival comes. And I really like this. This is pretty exciting to talk about. Uh, so I'm getting my lesson all from the book of Second Kings. Like I said in my book, When the Kingdom Comes, I studied the book of Second Kings and picked out three passages that help us understand how revival can come. So the first one is um, when Elijah is about moving about and he comes to a town and it says the in one version it says the water is bitter in some of the more modern translations it just says the water is bad. So you know how important it would be if you didn't have any water. And so Eli Elisha's there and they want him to do something about it and he wants to do something. So he says bring me a bowl. So they they bring it to him and he puts some salt in it. You know, now this is just a God thing. We know that. But still, he put some salt in it, and they did that. So then he goes out to the, to the spring, and he took the salt, and, the, and he threw it into the water and salted it. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I have healed this water. And so he did it, and the water became 
good and and now they have pure water okay so that in itself is a great thing right because you got to have water but how does that tie into revival well this is the most traditional thinking in people's minds about revival in this case somebody comes from someplace else and changes the water and makes it good again makes it fresh right takes the bitterness out takes the bad and so you get a guest or someone from a faraway place and this is the favorite in my opinion this is the favorite of churches they they like that the best is they're there and somebody from far away an evangelist special speaker you know a pastor they come and they salt your water maybe you haven't had much going on in the church and they fire it up and they salt your water and the water's good again and 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 uh, god starts moving again and that's kind of our tradition too right if you've been in traditional churches where they have do have what they call revival they used to have the what like the spring revival and then they'd have the fall revival and the guest would come and you'd have that meant you'd have multiple services that week you maybe do Sunday morning Sunday night Monday night Tuesday night and close out on Wednesday or something like that and so that's the traditional way and then you have it in the fall same thing and a guest would come everybody'd fire up and but the problem with it is as you know if you've been around that is then after the guest leaves, a lot of times the church goes back down and settles to what they were before. And, uh, but, but it didn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. So three ways revival come. What's the first way? The first way is someone from somewhere else comes to your church or it doesn't have to be church. It could be you personally. Someone from someplace else comes and salts your water or throws it into the water and the water then becomes good again and and refreshed again and so that's the first way and i found out that's the most favorite way a guest evangelist a guest preacher when uh, now it didn't quite happen that way with us in the smith and outpouring nor in the kansas city revival and in both instances when i would go and they'd interview me on tv and say what's happening what's going on and uh, one of the questions i always got asked was who's the guest Who's the guest evangelist? And I try to explain, well, it's a little different. There's no guest. It's just our church, just our church. And, you know, I'm the pastor. I've been preaching these years. And now I'm the revival preacher, multiple, multiple services. And it's just us. It's our congregation. God struck a church. Okay. But they always want to know who came from the outside. It's a little hard for them if they were in traditional thinking to figure for that out. So the first one is someone comes from uh, someplace else. All right. Now the other way, this is from second Kings, uh, Kings, uh, three seventeen, is where they, they, they're in a, they, they need water again. And, uh, the valley has dried up. Well, that's a good phrase for revival. We need of revival, right? It is. We're dried up. Our religion is dried up. Our music is dried up. That preaching is pretty dried up and we need something, you know? And, uh, so probably the traditional way of an outside person coming is the most popular way, but this might be the most favorite way. And that is, so God saw that the valley needed water and that it was all dried up. And so God just decides to do it. God does it. He just comes. He says, you will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water. 
So not even the natural, you won't see the wind or the rain, it won't be a big old storm, but all of a sudden God's going to do it. And he said, and you and your cattle and everybody, you're going to be able to drink from it. So this is just a supernatural way where God just comes down and the water of God flows, you know, and the river flows and you just say, you know what? God just did it. God did it. Now that's closer to what happened with us. Uh, I, I went someplace else, I thought, but, and I was exploring and looking and searching. But when it finally happened in that particular time, uh, then I came into the church that I've been pastoring all those years and bang, God just did something. Struck me like lightning. It wasn't like this water, but it was like lightning electrocuted me with the power of God. And I, I became a different person. I was changed on the spot. And uh, so, so this is the way probably a lot of people would like to have revival come. And it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you need somebody to come from someplace else, right? But the favorite way, and I've, I've been to so many churches around the world that say they want to move of God. They want to have revival. They want to restore the glory of God to the church. All the great things that we say we want. And then they stand there with their hands in the air and just say, oh God, oh God. Oh God, come down. Lord, send revival. Lord, we need revival. And then, you know, well, that's good. Pray for it. Go for it. But you know, if you do it, let's say, you know, after a year of with your hands in the air, looking up in the sky and nothing's got any better, maybe there's another way. Maybe that's not the way it's going to come. So the first way we saw is someone else comes. So you might hear of somebody that's got a certain anointing or abilities. And uh, the only thing you need to do is make sure when that person leaves that you want to hang on to what God did and maintain it. You don't want to wait for another guest in the fall or in the spring. You want to maintain it. So the hearts have to be really, really hungry for God to make a long-lasting change of the Spirit of God. But anyway, way one, somebody comes. Way two, God just comes. Maybe that's our favorite way. It's so much easier. Like, we don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but God came down and did something, you know. And so all of a sudden, God came down in that valley, and he just filled it with water. And there you had it, revival, the power of God, and, and all the things that they want. Now they can take a big drink because God came down. And uh, we, we like that, don't we? Now there's a third way, and let's talk about it. This is the most unpopular way. And this is why a lot of people don't get a real move of God because uh, they don't want to do this. And so this is my favorite story, of course, out of the three. Of, and it's also from 2 Kings uh, chapter 5. And there's a fellow named Naaman. You've heard of him. He's a commander of the army of the king of Aram. And he's a great, powerful man, you know, in the army. And everybody regards him and he's popular and powerful, all these kind of things. And guess what? All of a sudden, he gets leprosy. He gets sick and he gets leprosy. And, uh, you know, he, who wants to be sick? And, uh, they, and, 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 and some of his people hear about it. And even this girl hears about it. And she begins to talk about, well, you know, there's a prophet. And we just talked about Elijah where he threw the salt in into their, into their water. Well, he, this, oh, there's a prophet named Elijah. And he, he does great signs and wonders and miracles. You ought you to go see him. And maybe he'll do something great for you. So Naaman, you know, he thinks, well, I'll do that. And, uh, and so 
so that he goes to see him. He, well, he thinks he's going to see him. And he gets his horses and he gets his chariot. You know, he's a powerful guy. And it's a big parade uh, there. And when he gets there, he thinks, well, I'm going to see this prophet Elijah. He's going to come out. And uh, he even says this later. He says this later. He said, he, see, he had a preconceived idea of how God was going to do it. He said, I thought the prophet was going to come out. And, and I think he said, like, he's going to wave his hand over me. And then, you know, I'm going to be healed or a revival will come or whatever you're believing for. Well, he goes with the idea with his big, all his chariots and everything, horses and chariots. And he's going to, you know, and he's going to see the prophet Elisha. But when he gets there, Elisha doesn't come. He doesn't come out. He sent a messenger. He didn't even do it himself. Now, you know, Naaman's a pretty powerful guy. He's used to being respected. And, and uh, so this was a little disrespectful to him. And so he's kind of offended. He's offended because he thought the way he ought to be healed was his way ought to be healed. And listen, you want to be healed, you want revival, you want God to do something, you just let God be God. But anyway, he's kind of offended. And he said, you know, uh, uh, I thought he'd come out and wave his hand. He'd lay hands on me or he'd say a prayer, whatever, you know, we think today that, that it, the way it ought to be done. So anyway, Elisha sends out his messenger. And guess what his messenger says? It's the last thing he wanted to hear. He says, go wash yourself seven times in the river Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. All right. So the messenger comes and says, Go wash yourself in the river Jordan. Now, here's the problem. That's not their river. See, Naaman's river, they had their own rivers. They had their own buildings. They had their own property. And the river Jordan, now that's, that's Israel's river. And all of a sudden, God tells him, go wash yourself in somebody else's river. And Naaman's offended already that Elijah didn't come out. And now I got to go to somebody else's river. And you know the first thought that came to him? And I think it comes to a lot of people today. He thought to himself, he said, you know what? Our rivers are better. Our rivers are better than their river. Our rivers are in land. We're better than they are. Why should I have to go to their less, you know, less good looking river, not as good as our rivers? Why should I have to go there? And that happens to people today. God wants them to go somewhere where the fires of revival are starting to burn and where people know about revival, have experienced it or have, have some experience in it. And he wants them to be touched and, and, and put in the atmosphere of another church. Well, uh, it's like God telling you to go to somebody else's river. And then you think, well, I'm not going to go to their church. First of all, look who I am. It's a little humbling to go to somebody else's church. And then you think, my church is better anyway than that church. I've seen that church. I can't imagine what people thought when it was out in that country town of a, it was a church built in 1859. You know, one of those looks like it's on a postcard type churches. So it's white and got the steeple and a little, you know, and they go out there and say, this is it. And in fact, uh, they're, uh, I won't say the names, but there's some well-known people in our country that came and you had to go by. That's, they, they ended up calling it the Cornfield Revival because you passed by so many cornfields. And they go, like, where are we going? And they'd see it, and they couldn't hardly believe it. When they'd see it, this is it? Why, our church is a lot better. And they were right. Our church is a lot better than this. Why, we got better buildings. We got youth centers. We got children's centers. We got a huge bus ministry. You know how many buses we own? And I don't even see one bus at this this place so it was challenging but you know what sometimes that's the way God works 
And so the third way that revival comes is you have to go somewhere else and dip yourself in somebody else's river. And Naaman didn't want to do it. So can you see if that's the way God wants to do it, we're going to come up short on revival, aren't we? Because in the move of God, because people don't want to go to another church and get it from another ministry. They are okay. Way one. Remember? Okay. So a special guy comes or gal comes to our church and does it in our church or God just breaks open the sky and comes down to our church and suddenly the water is flowing. But now, wait a minute. You want me to go? to another church, another ministry, another pastor, whatever, and get what they got, and people don't do it. And Naaman didn't want to do it either. He says, I don't, our rivers are so much better looking than their rivers. Why would I go do that? So he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. And you know right now he's going to have to live with leprosy if he doesn't follow what, what the prophet's saying to do. And so then the servant comes. And this is where it gets to the matters of the heart. The servant comes to Naaman. And says, look here, if God asks you, if the prophet asks you to do something hard, you're a great warrior, you know. If the prophet or God asks you to do something hard, difficult, you'd go and do it. But you're not willing to do something easy. And isn't that kind of how we are? We're kind of always expecting God to say, go climb that mountain, get on a plane and go over into a jungle somewhere and, and go and, and I'm going to do something great there. So you're waiting for these great moments. And a lot of times God's just asking you to do something easy, not that hard. Uh, you know, just learn to worship, start praying, you know. But anyway, God told him to do something easy or the prophet did. And he said, go, just go dip. How hard is it to go down into the river seven times? And the prophet said, you'll be healed and you'll be cleansed. So he argued about it. And he didn't like it. And, uh, and yet it was such an easy, easy thing. So finally he does and gets in. Of course, he gets his healing. So the lesson is the third way that revival comes is you or your church folks or a group of you, whatever, have to go get something from somebody else's river. Something either has happened or is happening somewhere else. And you just got to humble yourself and say, look, let's go and get it. And in fact, uh, my experience, the first one was sort of a combination of both because I'd heard that revival was happening someplace. And so I just said, I'm going to go down and see this thing. Now, I didn't go down to get revival. I, for the church, I maybe went to get revived myself. I needed something from God. I needed my life back. I was in bad shape, but I went and I watched and watched and I'd pray to myself, but I never went down and got prayer like everybody else did. And everybody's chasing around. I lay hands on me. I want, I want revival. And I thought, I don't know if I want revival. I just want to get my life. I just want to live again. But then, so I did visit another river, but I didn't dip in it. I just <laughs> watched the water, got it in my soul. Then when I went back to my own church, then walked into the door and it was like, the second one, God just came down with water or with the power of God, and it changed me completely. So there you have the three ways that revival comes. The first way is uh, pretty popular. You look for somebody to come to your church. The only problem with that is sometimes the churches aren't prepared to really go for God, so it needs a lot of preparation uh, to say, 
to set your priority. That's what we want. Then you can bring a guest in, and a lot of times it'll work then, and that's the way God wants to do it. Or the, the way everybody wants it to happen, stand with your hands in the air, and one day God just falls out of the sky, opens up the heavens, and God comes down, and a revival breaks out, and you can say, we don't know what happened. God just came down, which is similar kind of what happened to me. But then the third way kind of happened to me too. And that's where God says, I'm sorry, you're going to have to go somewhere else. You're going to have to go visit that other church. You're going to have to at least look at them online. You're going to have to contact that pastor and find out, what did you do? What's going on? Pray for me, pastor. You know, you might be a pastor or just a person that wants to see the move of God. And you got to go to them and say, pray for me. I want what you got. I want to have the spirit of revival. I want to have understanding, whatever it is. And you got to go dip yourself maybe more than one time into the river of somebody else. So that may not be the favorite way, but that's how they come. Somebody comes to you, God just comes out of the sky, or you got to go to someplace else. And that's the three ways that I've been teaching how revival comes. I hope that's been a help to you, Lord Jesus. Just let the folks today get this. And if you want to do it this way or that way or a combination of several ways, let us be humble enough just to listen to the Lord because we need the power of God. We need revival in America. We need revival in our homes. We need revival, most of all, in our churches so that they're on fire for God and we can put new converts, people born again, people just coming to Jesus. We can let them go to a church that's on fire for Jesus Christ. So that's my story today. Three ways that revival comes. I hope that meant something to you and you got something out of it. And you'll join with me and just believe with me. Oh, that God would rend the heavens and come down in glory and power and might and revive us once again because America needs revival. The church needs revival. I need revival. You need revival. We need revival. So let us run together for revival. Until next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Revive Us Now podcast with Steve Gray. Push the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode and spread the word on social media. For more episodes and resources, go to reviveusnowpodcast.com. Until next time, keep on running for revival.